This is my 21 podcast. It may contain inappropriate content. Listener discretion is advised. like that there was a mom on a she made a tiktok that was like yes i'm raising my son to be gay and <laughs> so she was like i'm just choosing it for him because other people choose heterosexuality for their kids so why can't i son to be gay <laughs> I, mean, I was like you make a very valid point <laughs> you really do yeah because some people, are, they actually, like, force that on kids. And it's just, yeah. like... Because even when Josh would be telling me, like, oh, I like, you know, this girl. And I'm like, well, you know, because I always try to include, just in case, the off chance. You yeah. Know, yeah. Like I do. Like, you know, whomever you're with in the future, whether it's a girl or a guy, I don't give a shit, as long as they treat you well. Yeah. He's like, Mom, I'm not gay. And I'm like, I'm just saying. <laughs> right. <laughs> just like, all inclusive. I don't want you to ever feel right. like there's this underlying that mom's not saying this, but she's saying this kind of thing. Like, no. Yeah. Because kids with, listen that listen well. And so you do. never want to like close the door to anything. Like, even though you're not trying to push something on them, right. it's still like mm-hmm. I want to leave it open just in case this is a path you choose later on right. down the line. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to be like, well, my mom always said this, so yeah. I can't tell her. Like, no. Like, mm-hmm. I want you to be, still be able to talk to me and be, it, it needs to be open. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to leave that lane open however <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> long. You're right. 30 years old and I'll be like, okay, so who you dating now? <laughs> right. right. You can, your mind could change. Yeah. Like, could, right. I don't ever want to put you in a box. Yeah. Right. And don't put me in one either. Because if right. you see me with old girl over here, you know, like, <laughs> don't be like, mom, who is she? Be like, I didn't do that to you. Mommy, too. That's what her name is. <laughs> you, call call her mom, you call her mom. You call her mother. <laughs> I'll be right back. Oh, what? What? What'd she do to Jay? She, I don't know. Did she say? Did, she did he right kill back? Jay? What? I don't know. I just heard she said she was gonna be right back. My eyes hurt. Why your eyes hurt? Using the bathroom cleaning and love the. No, that was not the case. All right. You good? Yeah, I had just forgot. Girl, I had put Jay in the crate like three hours ago. <laughs> and and the cat just walked in here and so I was like it's been quiet where's Jay and then I was like oh shit so I had to go let him out I forgot he was in there he walked out slow looking at you like (laughs) you left me in here for three hours I didn't even do nothing wrong (laughs) he didn't I just need like I'm sleeping at the bed tonight (laughs) (laughs) oh man my poor dog okay it's some bullshit. Like, so what you out here doing? I can't see. Right. <laughs> I mean, hi. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I can't right 
That's, well, that's why I had forgot because the place where I, um, I take him to get his haircut at this lady house. So I usually drop her, drop him off in the morning and he's there for about three hours. Mm. So since he was gone, I kind of got used to like him not being here. Right. And then as soon as we got back, I needed to do something. So I put him up for a bit and it just right. the, all the time just ran into each other, you know? Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Do his parents understand you leave your kids? Because I'm like, I'm not concerned. Well, this is Mark 21. Hey. I'm Sharika. <laughs> this is Nikki. And I'm sorry. Okay. I think I tried something different. <laughs> anyway, we don't need Hater. it. <laughs> Keep it spicy, baby. Hitting them basic ass <laughs> notes. Okay, whatever, Sharika. He's such a hater. Okay. Today, I'm and I am. I'm damn that basic. What? What? I am. I am basic. I had some red wine earlier, too. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I just did a vodka tonic, my go-to, at the club, you mm-hmm. know, when those were open, right? And I went five years ago, right, right. And uh, <laughs> any uh-huh. bar going out, vodka tonic, please, extra lime. Mm-hmm. That's what I got. Oh, show, for show. I'm going. I'm going simple today. I just cracked open a can. Um, with the flying embers hard kombucha and this mm-hmm. flavor is that's a new one pineapple chili let me see it's too far i thought she didn't like the pineapple chili one i don't i mean it's cool it's not my favorite but it came in a four pack and i right. gotta make it through the four pack so this yeah. is the last one you don't waste alcohol nah <laughs> so this is the last one we won't be buying this one again i mean it's tolerable but it's just not my my favorite so it's something oh, yeah. about that chili on the end that i'm just like i could do without yeah i like a little spice but it all depends on how the spice is. Yeah. Yes, because you know what different. I, you know what I do love, those jalapeno margaritas. Mm. I love those. those. Be that sounds mm. good. I had a good one at um, Calo in Manhattan Beach. Oh, I don't know about it. It was spicy and delicious because I all I had was the chips because you know I eat Mexican food. Yeah. But oh my god, that margarita was on point. Mm. I. I had the pineapple jalapeno margarita. Ooh. It was fire. I feel like anything pineapple and margarita, like chili, is good. Like yeah. mango and chili. Well, because my favorite pizza is pineapple and jalapeno. But not really, I didn't know that. Yes, that's my favorite pizza. What's your favorite pizza? That's my favorite. Pizza. Oh, that's, I never would have thought that. But my taste buds are trash. Yes. No, that's trash. Hands down. You don't even eat pizza. <laughs> that is true. You don't eat pizza. So, so you don't even count. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> like I get pizza heads and they're like, oh my God, fruit doesn't belong on pizza. Like, okay, like this is this is me though. This is my one thing. And I like pineapples and jalapenos. Get off my back. All right. Mm-hmm. Do you? Okay. But you, Nikki, <laughs> you ain't got no legs to stand on. You eat chitlins. Oh, she does. I sure do. <laughs> oh, yes. Let's not go to the date today, guys. What's our random question? 
because Cheyenne's drinking water. <laughs> Good job. Stay hydrated. Thanks, you guys. And it's Fiji. Whoa! Because I'm a fancy bitch. You're a fancy bitch. <laughs> what would you ask King Henry VIII if you could have dinner with him? I would need some information about him. Who are you again? And we'll let our historian we'll let our historian lead the way on this one. Sharyan. <laughs> Henry the Eighth is the one that had all the wives that he murdered because Anne they Boleyn. Didn't, yeah. Okay. So that's that's Henry VIII. Remember from the from the show with Jonathan Reese? Yeah, Jonathan Reese Myers. Mm. Show. Mm. Mm. For sure. Mm. The tutors you know, being stuff. You know what I thought of the other day? What what was the name of that movie we watched too many times with the three women, the three sisters, <gasps> and old boy coming up and ha- having sex with all of them? Shut up, bitch. It's something about Sam. His, his Sam, Sam is in the name. It's not Sam. Is it's it something Sam? about Sam. Oh my God. I oh. thought about it the other day and I was like, I need to watch that again. Cause, Cause that, that fire. <laughs> we watched that movie so many times. I have oh no idea what you're talking about. Oh my god! Like, oh, like, like my, god, my sister after, and I both love hey, equally. For real, after this episode, we should probably try and find it so we can watch it tonight. Okay. Oh Let's record. As Let's you know, I love him because he was born in <laughs> He's a Leo. <laughs> Shout out to Jonathan because I love him. Did you find it yet? I'm looking. I'm about to find it now. I'm on his IMDb. Okay. <laughs> um. So, what would I ask Henry the Eighth? Yeah. If I were to have dinner with him, mm-hmm. I would probably ask why he's asking me for dinner because I'm a slave. But, mm. um. <laughs> 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 oh, you know what? No, I'm I'm half. I'm half and half. I'm by right now, so. Yeah, don't forget. I will be passing, so I'll be in the castle and be like, oh, okay, this is weird, but... You, you tap into that privilege. Yeah, I tap into it a little <laughs> bit. One of them indoor slaves. Um, mm-hmm. I would probably... Like, I would try and get personal. Like, let me see your penis. <laughs> All right. I feel like it's deformed or inflamed. We're not existent. Okay. Um, I don't really know what I would ask, honestly. I can't even really recall much about him to try and tap into to ask him something. So maybe I would ask him um, which lady was his favorite. Which of his six wives yes. were his favorite? Yes. Okay. Henry he probably wouldn't. He probably wouldn't have. A Which favorite. Henry am I talking to? Am I talking the, to the young Henry or the old, fat, gross Henry? They weren't both Henry the Eighth, were they? <laughs> yeah, at different stages of life. Yeah, am I talking to him when he's young and vibrant <laughs> and everybody oh, wanted to wanted oh, him? Or am I talking? Okay, okay. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, we're talking about like, am I talking to his dad or? I'm like, he's not Henry the Eighth if that's his dad. No, no I mean, I'm talking about. Okay. Besides him being a king, what was what was significant about him? Like, did he have a contribution or like? I, besides I him being the king of England, <laughs> what did he during the time when England reigned as a king? king? <laughs> <laughs> what was your thing? Like, I don't get it. 
Man, it take a lot to impress Nikki. <laughs> She's like, because this isn't doing it for me. This kingship, I don't get oh, it. Like it. Um, um, I'm not here for it. I need something else from you. He I was mean... only 36 when he died. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. How did he die? No, he ruled for 36 years. It doesn't say where, where he died. We all like, yeah, that's right. That's, right. <laughs> that's absolutely right. Yeah. So I had to read it again. And I was like, oh, it says he ruled for 36 years. And this end date. I feel like he probably didn't live that long, though, anyway. He died at 46. So he became king when he was 10 years old. He was really tall. He was 6'2", 200 pounds. That's a nice build. They made him look really fat, though. I see. They probably didn't know how much he weighed. He was a hypochondriac. Duh. Was a hypochondriac. And a hoarder. He thinks he has everything. He diagnoses himself with everything. I want to know how he died. Uh, probably under all his stuff. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he died from natural causes. It says he had poor health because he had become obese. Oh, and then his nine-year-old son succeeded him as king, but died six years later. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Well, all right, Sharia, you got a question for him? No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> I wouldn't want to have met him. I just, he's not someone, you know, I wanted to. She would have been Clinton check decline. Let on the calendar like, invite. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Thank you. Please respond with your RSVP to dinner with Henry VIII. Decline. No. I would not have chicken, salmon, or. <laughs> I don't want to meet Henry VIII. But thanks. <laughs> no, thanks. I'd love to meet his daughter, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. What would you ask her? Fantastic. What would you ask him? I don't know if I have a question for her. I just would have liked to observe and to be present and during her reign just to see how, you know. Because I, I can't think of a particular question I'm curious about for, you know, but just seeing her being a woman in power and how she, you know, got there and her thought process of how she decided to rule and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that would have been interesting. But ask her a question? No. I have one burning question for her. Like, no, I don't give a shit. I'm curious <laughs> as to how America sent their, well, not America, but America was founded by these like outcasts from England and all those other countries being sent to, sent here. And then they're so opposed to having a woman in power when women were in power for so long in all those other places, like worldwide. Were women in power? Yeah. You're curious as to who, who's, what was it again? Who's opposed to women <laughs> being in power? Americans. Oh. Well, I mean, I don't know. Americans are stupid. <laughs> Let me honestly, like, you know what I mean? Like, we're just like, they don't think of themselves as, because we're talking about a particular group of Americans. Maybe it was because mm. they didn't like royalty. And so they were like, if you're not royalty, then you have to be a man to be in power. Is that what it is? I think they still felt that way. Even with Elizabeth as queen, they didn't like 
her being a queen and ruling. They felt that she needed to get married. That was the issue with her. They were like, yeah. when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? And she's like, but she I can rule this time. Like, I'm the queen. <laughs> like, queen and king are equal. Yeah. So as the queen, I don't need a man. And just like he didn't need a queen, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need to be married. The only yeah. reason why I need to be married or to have, you know, is to have a kid so I can have somebody come after me. But yeah. other than that, I can rule this country just fine without being married to anybody. Yeah. And, but that was the issue. They felt that she needed to, she wasn't a, you know, good enough because she wasn't a man or she didn't have a man. Mm-hmm. So I think that that, that issue still persisted with men feeling as if, you know, they needed to be around her or around any type of woman in power. Okay. Well, today's topic is a tribute to this being Black History Month. And I just wanted to research some Black women I hadn't known or had any prior knowledge to and just kind of look up their history and see what they did or even currently somebody I'm interested in and see what they're doing and share it so I'll go first since I believe I'm the only one who did it all right I found one oh okay you did (laughs) So I'm talking about Phyllis Wheatley. Okay, you ready for this? We ready. Buckle up. So Phyllis Wheatley was a former slave who was kidnapped from West Africa and brought to America. She was bought by a Boston family and became their personal servant. With the aid of the family, she learned to read and eventually became one of the first women to publish a book of poetry in 1773. So I was immediately interested in the story because of her circumstances being like bought and then brought over and then purchased by a family immediately. I wasn't like, I thought that was, that was cool. I didn't, I didn't realize because some of the um, articles I read say that she was kidnapped and then purchased by that family. So um, yeah. Wheatley was seized from Senegal or Gambia, West Africa, when she was about seven years old. She was transported to the Boston docks with a shipment of refugee slaves who, because of her age or physical frailty, they thought she was unsuited for rigorous labor in the southern colonies. So in the month of 1761, in want of a domestic, Susanna Wheatley, the white wife of prominent Boston tailor John Wheatley purchased a slender, quote unquote, a slender, frail female child for a trifle. Not a token, really trifle. Because the captain of the slave ship believed that the waif was terminally ill and he wanted to gain at least a small profit before she died. So he was just trying to sell her off and like, give me a penny real quick for like, you can have her because she ain't gonna do shit. She's gonna be dead in a couple days. After discovering the girl's precociousness, the Wheatleys taught her to read and write and was soon immersed in the Bible, astronomy, geography, and history, oh, history and British literature. By the time she was 18, Wheatley had gathered a collection of 28 poems for which she, with the help of Mrs. Wheatley, ran advertisement for subscribers in Boston newspapers in February of 1772. 
when the colonists were apparently unwilling to support literature by an African, she and the Wheatleys turned in frustration to London for a publisher. So how typical of Americans, right? Culture and education right under your nose and yet you decline and see it, decline to see it and until it's out of reach. So yeah. like so many times artists have to go overseas and then become famous in America after they already have like worldwide credibility. And it's like so backwards. Mm -hmm. It's annoying. Wheatley suffering from a chronic asthma condition and accompanied by Nathaniel Wheatley, that was their son, left for London on May 8th, 1771. The now celebrated poetess, is that how you said that? Yeah, poetess. Yeah. Was welcomed by several dignitaries, abolitionists, patron the Earl of Dartmouth, poet and activist Baron John Littleton, Sir Brock Watson, philanthropist John Thornton, and Benjamin Franklin. While Wheatley was recrossing the Atlanta to reach Mrs. Wheatley, who at the summer's end had become seriously ill, Bell was circulating the first edition of poems on various subjects, religious and moral. The first volume of poetry for by an African American published in modern times. She was the third woman to have any published poetry work and the first enslaved Black woman. Wow. Wow. So, in 1775, she sent a copy of a poem entitled To His Excellency George Washington to the, th to the then military general. The following year, Washington invited Wheatley to visit him at his headquarters in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which she did in March of 1776. Thomas Paine republished the poem in the Pennsylvania Gazette in April of 1776. And then after this, I believe both Wheatleys had passed and they granted her freedom at their death. And then of course, she was basically worthless without her white masses from there. In 1779, Wheatley issued a proposal for a second volume of poems, but was unable to publish it because she had lost her patrons after her emancipation. Publication of books was often based on gaining subscriptions for guaranteed sales beforehand. Um, Wheatley was emancipated by her masters and mm, lost my place. Oh, after her publication of her book, they soon died and she married poor grocer John Peters, lost three children, and died in poverty and obscurity at the age of 31. Oh, <laughs> Why are you looking like that? <laughs> Phyllis Wheatley Peters died uncared for and alone. Yes, they wrote that in the article. Wow. When she died on December 5th, 1784, John Peters, her husband, was incarcerated and forced to relieve himself of debt by an imprisonment in the county jail. Their last surviving child died in time to be buried with his mom. I thought that was so sad. So black liter literary scholars in the 1960s and to the present have critiqued Wheatley's writing due to its absence of a sense of her identity as a black enslaved person. A number of black literary scholars have viewed her work and its widespread admiration as a barrier to the development of black people during her time and a prime example of Uncle Tom syndrome. Mm. These scholars believe that Wheatley's lack of awareness of her condition of enslavement furthers her syndrome among descendants of Africans in the Americas. And then some scholars thought Wheatley's perspective came from her upbringing. The Wheatley took 
The Wheatley family took interest in her at a young age because of her timid and submissive nature. Using this to their advantage, the Wheatley family was able to mold and shape her into a person of their liking. The family separated her from other slaves in the home, and she was prevented from doing anything other than very light housework. This shaping prevented Phyllis from other um, becoming a threat to the Wheatley family or other people from the white community. As a result, this allowed Phyllis to be able to attend white social events and created a misconception of the relationship between black and white people for her. So that Uncle Tom syndrome, you know, like Kanye West, 50 Cent, being raised as a person of color in an environment and then earning enough money to put yourself on the same level as white people, right. that kind of thing. Um, so although she was an enslaved person, Phyllis Wheatley Peters was one of the best known poets in pre-19th century America, educated and enslaved in the household of prominent Boston commercialist John Wheatley, lionized in New England and England with presses in both places, publishing her poems and paraded before the New Republic's political leadership and the old empire's aristocracy. Wheatley was the abolitionist illustrative testimony that blacks could be both artistic and intellectual. Her name was a household word among literate colonists and her achievements a catalyst for the fledging anti-slavery movement. And then I also read a couple of her poems, or well, not a couple, I read like six to 10 probably. But this one was, <laughs> this, I just picked the shortest one, even though one of them was like my favorite, but it was really long. So this was, was the shortest one. It was titled, On Being Brought from Africa to America, and it was written in 1772. Twas mercy brought me from my pagan land, taught by benighted soul to understand that there's a God, that there's a savior too. Once I redemption neither sought nor knew. Some view our sable race with scornful eye. Their color is a diabolical dye. Remember Christians, Negroes, black as cane, may be refined and join the angelic train. And that's Phyllis Wheatley. Okay. I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like I learned some things. I have heard of Phyllis Wheatley, but I don't think I really like have ever um, dived into her story. Yeah. Yeah. I had never heard of her. Okay. So well, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And plus I liked it because I was like super caught up in Hamilton and it was like, oh, People I know she was around that time and like putting pieces together with like oh. all those old people from the revolution. I like mm -hmm. it. Okay. Right. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I'll go. Mine's pretty quick. I bet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You know, not all of us are long winded for no reason. Uh oh. <laughs> You know what? Go ahead and open this room up. Because no. I'm out. I thought I was gonna. I thought we were gonna be sharing and uplifting and glorifying these women. No, no. And you you, you gave a no. You gave a lot of information. I loved it. I like how you put all of the information in the place where we could see it as well and refer back to it. You know. Anyway, um, Kathy Black History Month. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Iggy, share your uh, exceptional Black woman. <laughs> Is so, she? <laughs> oh, uh, whatever. 
Anyway, <laughs> I'm talking about Claudette Colvin. Have you heard of her? Yes. Oh, well, great. Because I hadn't. So, yay, I learned something new. Claudette Colvin was the first woman to resist giving up her seat on public transportation during um, the civil rights movement. So most of us associate Rosa Parks, as I had been, as being the first person, but she was actually not. Um, so just a little bit about her. Where's my, um, I lost my page, guys. Oh no. I found it, I'm back, okay. Um, so March 2nd, 1955 was when the 15 year old schoolgirl refused to move from the back of the bus nine months before Rosa Parks. Claudette had been studying black leaders like Harriet Tubman in her segregated school. And those conversations led to discussions around the current Jim Crow laws that everybody was experiencing. Uh, when the bus driver ordered Claudette to get up, she refused. She says it felt like Sojourner Truth was on one side pushing me down and Harriet Tubman was on the other side pushing me down and I just couldn't get up. So she had like called on the ancestors to be like, keep me in this seat. I ain't moving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <deep>. Right? <laughs> Claudette Coven's stand didn't stop there. She was arrested and thrown in jail. And she was one of four women at that time who were who challenged the segregation laws in court. Um, they started a court case, Browder versus Gale. And it successfully overturned the bus segregation laws in both Montgomery and Alabama. And that's why Claudette's story has largely been forgotten. No, it says why, not that's why. Why has Claudette's story been largely forgotten? Well, at the time, the NAACP and other Black organizations felt like Rosa Parks made a better icon for the movement than a teenager did. A pregnant teenager. <laughs> oh, it don't say that in my story. Was she pregnant? Yep. Oh, look at this shit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wrong. Okay, so they picked Rosa because they didn't want the pregnant teenager to be the spokesperson or the face of it of the movement, whatever. Um, so it says as an adult with the quote unquote right look, Rosa Parks was also the secretary of the NAACP and was both well known and respected. People would associate her with the middle class and that would attract support for the cause. Right. Yeah, so... I found that to be interesting because I had never really, uh, maybe I've heard of her name, but it didn't ring a bell for me. So Claudette Colvin, and she's still alive. She is 81 years old right now. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Claudette. Right? Paving the way, Claudette. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Claudette. Yeah. You G. But isn't that interesting? How even with those movements, they got to have the right look, the right people in place to reach our own people. It to wasn't even own, just yeah. on the strength of us just being black and, you know, she shouldn't have to give up her seat. It was the fact that we can't get behind this young 15 year old pregnant girl, right. you know, given, you know, like we just because she black, we just can't get behind. It, it has to be OK for us to get behind it. Yeah. You know, and that's right. ridiculous. But, you know, that's when you live in a society that's based on religion, religious rules and Bible mm -hmm. principles that don't apply to everybody. And not just humanity. 
Right. Yeah. And I'm sure colorism played a part in this too. Cause if you look of at the course. pictures of her and Rosa, Rosa is way more fair than she is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that so attracts support as well. That's yeah. the look, right? Yeah. Claudette, like, we gonna make see her you. Sit down. Thank you. You're going to put light skin, pretty Rosa in jail. <laughs> you need to stand behind her. Yeah. Oh, barefoot pregnant Claudette. <laughs> right? <laughs> she was yeah. getting kicked off the bus because she was barefoot. Not because she was, she was in the wrong she was black. <laughs> We'd have told you. No shoes, no shirt, no service. <laughs> this is the fourth time today, Claudette. <laughs> the tenth time this month. God damn it, get the fucking shoes. Um, Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Unfortunately, that was not the case. <laughs> right, right. Right. Let's stop trying to rewrite history. <laughs> crazy Claudette. Oh my gosh, she is crazy. Crazy Claudette. <laughs> hey. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Sharianne, did you have anybody? I do. I actually have a couple people, but I'll only do my one. Um, her name is Bridget Biddy. You can Mason. still say their names. Say their names. I will say their names. <laughs> but um, Bridget Biddy Mason, born 1818, 1891, is an American hero. Born enslaved, Mason became one of the first prominent citizens and landowners in Los Angeles in the 1850s and 1860s. She also founded the first African Methodist Episcopal Church in Los Angeles in 1872. Mason was born in Mississippi in 1818. She was given the name Bridget without a surname and was later nicknamed Biddy. She was owned by slaveholders in Georgia and South Carolina before being returned to Mississippi. Robert Marion Smith, her last owner, was a Mississippi Mormon convert. He decided to follow the call of the church and moved his family and enslaved persons to the West. There, he would help establish a Mormon community in what would become Salt Lake City. At this time, Utah was still part of Mexico. In 1848, <laughs> Mason, then 30. <laughs> In 1848, Mason, then 30, walked 1,700 miles behind a 300-wagon caravan. The caravan eventually arrived in the Holiday Cottonwood area of the Salt Lake Valley. Along the route, Mason was responsible for setting up and breaking camp, cooking the meals, herding cattle, and serving as a midwife. She also took care of three young daughters, aged 10, 4, and a newborn. In 1851, Smith moved his family once again. This time, a 150-wagon caravan headed for San Bernardino, California. Ignoring Brigham Young's warning that slavery was illegal in California, Smith brought Mason and other enslaved people to the new Mormon community. Along the way, Mason met Charles H. and Elizabeth Flake Rowan, a free Black couple. The Rowans and others urged her to legally contest her slave status once she reached California. Fearing that he would lose his enslaved persons, Smith decided to move to Texas, a slave state. They were prevented from leaving by the Owens family. One of, the Rob- one of Robert Owens' sons was romantically involved with Mason's 17-year-old daughter. Owens told the L.A. County Sheriff that slaves were being illegally held. The sheriff gathered a posse and apprehended Smith's wagon in Cajon Pass, California. Mm. After spending five years enslaved in California, Mason challenged Smith for her freedom. 
On January 21st, 1856, L.A. District Judge Benjamin Hayes approved Mason's petition. The ruling freed Mason and 13 members of her extended family. She took the surname Mason from the middle name of a Mason Lyman, who was the mayor of San Bernardino and a Mormon apostle. Mason moved her family to L.A. where her daughter married and had the son of Robert and Minnie Owens. She continued working as a midwife and nurse, saved her money and using it to purchase land in what is now the heart of downtown L.A. There she organized First AME Church, the oldest African-American church in the city. Mason used her wealth, estimated to be about $3 million, to become a philanthropist to the entire L.A. community. Damn. She donated to numerous <laughs> charities, fed and sheltered the poor, and visited prisoners. Mason was instrumental in founding a traveler's aid center and an, ele and an elementary school for Black children. Bridget Mitty Mason died in L.A. on January 15, 1891. She was buried in an unmarked grave in Evergreen Cemetery. On March 27, 1988, the mayor of L.A. and members of the church she founded held a ceremony during which her grave was marked with a tombstone. Bridget, Mitty, Bridget Biddy Mason is associated with the historic, historic resources associated with African Americans in Los Angeles multi-property submission. It was approved and listed on the National Register of Historic Places on March 17, 2009. Wow. Wow. That's interesting to learn because being a Los Angelino mm -hmm. for all of my life and going on the California tour <laughs> that they take you on as a, as a student in LAUSD, going to downtown LA and seeing all the, you know, how this was, you know, Mexican land and learning that history. Yeah. You don't learn how there were, you know, enslaved people here, then free blacks here mm -hmm. who helped establish this city. You know what I mean? And then to, for us to not know anything about the AME church and who the woman who established it. And then it took 1988 for them to find her grave and mark it mm -hmm. in the church that she established. I figured, like, if this is a church that With I established and money, when I die, like, I can't get a marked grave? With all my money? Right. <laughs> like, seriously? That's crazy. Yeah. But there you have it. <laughs> and to think there's so many untold stories about Los Angeles and its history Yeah, is wild wild to me but that was one of the things that I found interesting I found uh, another woman uh, Mary Ellen Pleasant she was up in the Bay Area mm -hmm. another millionaire at the time because you always think about you know millionaires and you know in terms of you know uh, Madam C.J. Walker you mm -hmm. know yeah. Uh, yeah but it's like we never hear about the other women who was owning property and land they may not have been millionaires but they was close yeah you know this was prior to Madam C.J. Walker yeah so that's that's something, y'all. That's what's up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I just came across some random, um, it's random because of the way I came across it, but facts about Allensworth, California. Do you know about Allensworth? No, do tell. Allensworth is the first all-Black community in California. It was created by... Hold on a second. Where is my? I got you know I got so many tabs open. We yeah, know. We know. <laughs> my bad. Allensworth is the first town in California established exclusively by African Americans and was founded in 1908 by a group of men led by Colonel Allen Allensworth. 
He was born a slave in Louisville, Kentucky. Was that and a he family? <laughs> mm, and he became Remember some man named Allen. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was the highest ranking black officer in the US Army at his time. All right. He traveled widely throughout the United States. He met somebody. I'm doing some skimming. It's a long article. I need to read. I need to, I want to read all of it because it's pretty lengthy, but I thought that was interesting. I've never heard of Allensworth. Tulare County. Where's Where about is it? Is it northern? Southern? Yeah, I don't know. I'm about to look on the map. Okay. Did you guys know that Manhattan Beach was once a black beach? Oh, what? A black community. <laughs> oh. Manhattan Beach. Manhattan Beach. Yeah. I read that and was like, the fuck? Are you kidding me? Manhattan Beach was where black people went to beach and live and you know well you know white people came through and was like we want this so you guys got to get out you guys can, can you guys wow move? like y'all didn't want it before because it was called bruce's beach <laughs> that sounds black <laughs> bruce's beach yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. uh so alan's worth is which about could probably mid- explain why there are so many black communities so c- close by to this the Manhattan beach white area yeah yeah. Because mm-hmm. they were probably just pushed inland. Oh, yeah. Like normally. Yeah. Allensworth is about halfway between Bakersfield and Fresno. This is nice. So it's Central California. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we're okay. right. So you probably yeah. have. Y'all remember coconut teasers? Yep. 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 Man. LA clubs job back in the day. Oh that used to be popping. You know they closing the standard? Really? Yes. Yep. Like all of their hotels? No, the one in Hollywood. Oh. Like the Damn. standard. Yeah. How sad. But you know, it's like I haven't been to Hollywood like right in forever. Like forever I've not been to Hollywood. Yeah. I think Josh and I drove up there when we just wanted to get out of the house one day and I was just like, Oh my god, I remember the pig and whistle. Oh, oh is that still there? Duh. We drove by it, I saw it. I don't know if it's open. I mean, you know, I'm about to... pandemic, but yeah. A lot of those places are shut down, unfortunately. It'll be curious to see people in LA going back to clubs and stuff. Because, I mean, people like today, maybe Thursday was when they opened everything back up. Yeah. Thursday or Friday. Yeah. Oh my God. Restaurants over. Yep. Everybody it's got like, their outdoor setups back up. Right, everybody it, back up. I'm like, y'all need to go back home. Like, y'all don't need to be out here. I, I'm not ready for this anymore. I don't want to do it. I just want to work from home and not have to see none of y'all. Thank you. Girl. And Josh was like, oh, mommy, I want to look here. Now we can go to Mimi's Cafe. I oh. was like, no. Mommy's <laughs> not going to a restaurant for a long time. Yeah. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It's not going to happen for you. Like, I already yeah. said 2022. Like, Right, yeah. like, I'm not yeah. going back to a restaurant for yeah. a long time. Yeah, just 
Mm-mm. Well, FYI, Pig and Whistle is still there and functioning. So, in you know, in 2022, okay. we can hit up Pig and Whistle for some old times. Oh, my God. <laughs> A little reunion. I like it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Y'all be nice. Okay. Bye. All right, then. Thanks for listening. We hope you learned Bye. something. Yeah. Hope you Happy Black History Month. Yes. Shout out to black Earl women. Stevens. <laughs> I support Earl Stevens. Mark Twenty One support supports Earl Stevens all day. <laughs> <laughs> we should have looked up a black female liquor. Oh, there is this black-owned um wine brand. Well, why can't we look yeah. it up now? Like, what yeah. we doing? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and it's that also is. not like we're gonna record again during Black History Month. What? We're not. We know we will. Oh. I, I said it's not like we won't or well, maybe won't. I said okay, it's not okay. like we will but you I mean it's not like we won't right yeah all right let's let me let's do a google search five yeah. black owned wineries to support now open link in a new tab and I'll open this one here oh you know I have heard of this wine this black girl magic wine I don't know if it's any good Black girl magic wine. But I'm interested to read more about like what kind of wine this is. Why are you making me put in my age for a wine website? Right. Like, can I buy it here? Is that what's happening? (laughs) Mm. A virtual tasting set? Oh, I wonder how... Oh, that's expensive. Let's see. They call Olay Orleans is in New Orleans. Okay. It's called Kim Lewis was named as the first black woman to launch a wine company from there. Okay. From New Orleans? Mm-hmm. Called Olay Orleans. All right. She currently has two wines available. She has a Blanc du Bois Dry and a Blanc Du Blanc semi sweet with nine more on the way. Okay. All right, then. Here, I'm going to put this link in there so we can find it later. Okay. But to anyone listening, please uh, check this out. I can't wait to order some wines. Because now I got to do from this one. Oh. They got and, South African wine. Eric Stevens, is that what he said? Earl Stevens. Earl. Earl Stevens. Right? Don't do that. Please don't, don't do, that. do him like that. Earl. Come on now. You're better than that. I've mentioned his name multiple times over multiple podcasts, and you're going to sit up here and disrespect Earl Stevens. We'll talk the to The great her, Earl. Earl Stevens. We'll talk to her. Off, off, off mic, we'll talk to her. Eric Stevens. Earl Stevens. The disrespect. You done? <laughs> like he don't even know us. Nope. <laughs> hey, but we go hard. <laughs> we do. We really do go hard for Earl Stevens. Okay, so now we know we need to order some wines and purchase some alcohol, different alcohols, mm-hmm. so we can showcase those on it. Ooh, you guys, Charles Wine Company, they're in Temecula. Oh, I love Temecula. I want to go Who's back. Charles there. Wine. It's a black 
Charles Wine Company launching their first label in 2014, The Journey of Paul Charles, DeAndre Charles, and Dr. Sharice Moore. Okay. (laughs) Started with a wine tasting tour in Temecula, a wine country in Southern California. Wah, wah, wah. Now the Charles Wine Company, the family-owned winery, produces 500 cases a year. One of the recent case selections is Melanin, a Pinot Noir released in 2019. Come on. Okay. Charles Wine Company. Let me go ahead and click this link so I can go on over to y'all website. Yep. Because y'all down the street. Not literally, but you know. Y'all in Temecula. We know what you mean. We know what you mean. That's what's up. And it's called Melanin. I like that. I just like, I like that. Just for a Pinot too. Yeah. You know, have you seen those new Target shirts that they have for Black History Month? I've not no. been inside of Target. Me either. It, you know, you had said you wanted the shirt that said like freckles and scars or something like that. They have something similar. I was like, curly oh, hair. Been to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's something similar like that in the certain. The only thing I, I dislike is that you can only buy this kind of stuff and like brands force this collaboration so fiercely in February and that's it. When it's like, you can still have it in your store after and you can have those specials in February, I feel like. Yeah. And I hope they start doing that more where they keep those black products available. Like I Mm -hmm. still want to buy the cute shirt with the girl with the curly hair on it but I don't want to buy it right now. <laughs> like, right. Why is that only available is, in, during the key, February? Yeah. The key is, you guys, we have to buy it right now. That way it builds up yeah, that's true. attention and momentum. And now we're like, oh, there was a lot of people coming. It sold out. So now people come back into the store and go, hey, where's that curly hair shirt? Why do I want to see true. it? And, but if you don't buy it now, then it's going to be like, oh, I guess people didn't want it. Business marketing. The only other thing is you could we could probably do is see who that artist is and find them and just purchase from them directly. <laughs> I mean, that too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. they also want to be in Target. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. wouldn't they get more money if we, I don't know how the deals work, but do they get more profit if you order directly from them versus through a big, a big box store? But they get more <laughs> brand exposure. Mm-hmm. Oh, true. The company. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if we support them through Target, that means they can stay in Target year round mm-hmm. as opposed to them only being in Target for and they'll get more business that way. Right. Yes. Gotcha. More people will come to their website because they want more because only Target's only going to offer just the basic stuff. Yeah. So when you go right. to their website, then they'll have more exclusive things and it's like, oh, now I'm going to go over here. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have, to su- them out. we have to support those things that they push on us during Black History Month. That way they can be throughout the year supported hopefully sounds good sounds good thanks for listening mission accepted bye 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 you the good shots you've been listening to Mark 21 podcast We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, like, subscribe, and spread the word. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. That's Mark, the numbers two, one, podcast. 
If you want to leave us a comment or review or a suggestion, email us at mark21podcast at gmail.com. Join us next time to hear what we get into.